0: This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols, and I have a special announcement. Dream is starting what they're calling the Dream Hang, and the first event is going to be February 9th at Fame Studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So, what they're doing is they're going to bring a bunch of cymbals down to the studio. They're going to, have, you know, you can chest them out. They're going to have Scott Pellegrum there. He's going to be demoing, they're going to be recording stuff. They've got Telefunken Mics as a partner for these events, so you get to see, you know, how these cymbals respond under really nice high end microphones in one of the most famous studios in the world. So February 9th at the Fame Studio in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. If you're in the area, you should definitely go down, hang out for the Dream Hang. Everything that will be there will be uh, available for purchase as well. And they'll be doing more and more of these as well. So definitely check out Dream's Facebook page for the event info. Again, that's February 9th, the Dream Hang at Fame Studio in Muscle Shoals. Let's get this show rolling. I'm gonna go right into the intro groove. This thing is saucy. Damn, it's an intro song. I know. I like it. I mean, it's a six and a half minute song. We're not gonna play the whole thing, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you're being a little, a little, little, little,
1: all about yeah, a little greedy, all about yourself. But uh, it's, I like it. I like it a lot. It's
0: good stuff. So, yeah, that is Jeff Nell, who's got our intro beat for episode 174. He says it started from an Apple loop, which are the freebies that come if you have GarageBand or Logic. So he started with that. He actually gave us the name of the file. African Lion Achimivu is the name of the (laughs) (laughs) the loop. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So he added some guitar loops and then put his drum beat on it. And then, which is what I love, he had his friends come over and add bass guitar and synth. So it went from an idea for a loop like a full-on song with the band dig it
1: how did you know how to pronounce a chimibu
0: uh it's an african drum so i I had to play it and learn it so i'm so happy i didn't have to read that line. (laughs) that's the african Alliance at (laughs)
1: simi at well at (laughs) 11.12 oh that's awesome well good good stuff how are you doing bud i'm
0: doing all right not bad i'm uh what have I been doing? Um, oh, so here's a question. This is like almost an education thing. I'm going to dive right into it. Um, we're not even going to talk about what we're doing for the rest of the show. Nope, you'll you'll learn care. about it as we get there. So I was just talking to Scott Sparks, longtime podcast leader, shout out, leader, podcast listener. Shout out to Scott. Trying to explain the sixteenth note hi hat thing, the up yep. down piston motion. Yep. Uh, and I was telling him to check out that you know todd Zuckerman, he explains it as shooting pool but i had the revelation that it's it's just like playing the heel toe technique on a conga drum so if you've studied hand mm-hmm. drums the heel toe yeah. motion actually translates well to doing that uh, right. shoulder tip motion on the hi-hat it's hard to teach have you ever had to teach that technique i i yeah well the the entire
1: last camp one full day of the camp was the Gadsden Groove and exploring that oh, okay. and if you can't play that technique we are, there's a whole range of tempos that you just can't participate in, Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like it's like not being tall enough to ride the rides. it's like I'm sorry you just can't play this song uh, without two hands the hardest thing with that technique is are you using it in what I would consider to be an Abe Cunningham style where it's actually very purposely trying to accentuate the eighth notes of the 16th notes? Mm -hmm. Or are you using that technique to play a buttery smooth Gadsden groove at a faster tempo and you're actually trying to make it fairly smooth? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you watch, say, uh, Eloy Casagrande play an up-tempo bossa nova, it's faster than we can play with two hands. He's doing it with one hand. And he's using a technique fairly similar to that, but it's not chet 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 It's da 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 Yeah. Um, yeah so I think, but yeah, I, I've, I have had to teach that a lot. And sometimes you're teaching it in using the drumstick as the reference point, like, okay, we're going to hit the side of the stick, then tip of the stick, top of the hats, side of the stick, side mm-hmm. of the hats, tip of the stick, top of the hats, because I need them to be able to visually see it and feel it happening. Sometimes it's as simple as down, up, down, up, down, up. So it really depends on what I'm trying to get out of the student. But for me, I probably have about four or five different explanations for it. And I go through
0: all of them until one of them clicks. Cause each student's different. Yeah. I mean, I think the, for me the more i try to think about it physically the more it's a problem because then it becomes exaggerated like elbows up right. and down and i just think of the sound and also i just want the f- physically to for it to just kind of float that's what i'm visioning in my head so i, I think for yeah. me i just kind of fell into it naturally trying to play faster grooves but just having to try to explain it to him this morning i was like i I don't. I don't even know if shooting the shooting pool metaphor really works for me. That doesn't work for me at all because that to me is more of
1: a push pull method. Um, but mm. you're like throwing it forward and backwards, and it's not that. That's an uh, improper metaphor or visualization. I mean, I th- I think Todd is one of the greatest educators alive. I really love his explanations, but I think that it all depends on how you're doing it. If mm. you're doing it that way, then yeah, that would work. Um, it's definitely very risk driven for me. It's not like a drop and uh or release and pull type of thing i'm not doing that with it um
0: so it's not like the one-handed roll type no, of vibe i hate that um, i hate the way that feels i can't as soon I as i feel I'm, like i just can't control the stick yeah i feel like it's like oh i'm playing a gimmick thing and it's not music anymore <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I'm, i feel very detached when i do it and um
1: and I also have—I don't play enough things that require me to let go of certain types of feels enough to just get the the speed out of it. So maybe if I was playing something like what Eloy's playing—I mean, when I see him play, you know, what he calls a bossa nova, I've, I I mean— <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, I just, trusts,
0: I just took a deep dive through his Instagram feed this morning. He might be the best drummer on the planet. And I'm he not kidding. He could very well be the best drummer on the planet. Just the fact right? that he can destroy the drums, but it always sounds great. It always feels great. It's very sophisticated. It's super clean. If he, was, if he was at any other volume, I think he would be
1: owning all of social media, all of everything right now. No one is playing the things. He, and I came home from... Uh, Mexico and I said that on his podcast I'm like I really think I just saw the greatest drummer in the world and then it's like you know he gets I mean he gets a, a ton of love for what he does but it's not the level that he should be getting he's playing some next level it's like seeing Vinny at 17 but it's Eloy now yeah and he's insane. taking it to that next level and if you just change the volume of it it'd be the coolest hippest stuff ever I but, mean, I mean he, he even crazy. Had,
0: he's able to get dynamics and, and I mean, he's destroying the kit, but he's able to get, like, dynamics and phrasing, and it just sounds great. I'm like, this guy's a freak of nature. He yeah. really is, and so, he's yeah. a good, good dude. So
1: <laughs> so, I, anyways, you know, my whole experience of running out of gas on that single-handed 16th note technique, or for him, 8s, <laughs> was sitting down with him in Mexico. That was my first time that I physically couldn't keep up with somebody with one hand, where he was mm-hmm. like, he's like, do you want to jam some Bossa Nova? I'm like, man, I would love to. When am I going to get the chance to do that with a Brazilian drummer? Uh, yeah, let's do it. And he started at a rate of speed that I was like, um, maybe we don't agree on what Bossa Nova is. <laughs> Like,
0: This is not a Casio not, Bossa Nova. I was going to say, do you not
1: own a Casio keyboard? Do you not own button three that says Bossa Nova, example two? Uh, so I was like, oh, I don't really, and I had to switch, so I had to go to 8th to 16th, Mm -hmm. just to keep up with his constant 16ths. And and he was so loud. You know, I was like, (laughs) how are you not worn, and I don't mean loud bad, I mean so powerful. I'm like, how are you not worn out, man? Then again, he is fairly in
0: shape, so. (laughs) Well, you know, he he won the Undiscovered Drummer Contest. Yes, that's how I heard about him. A little kid, and even back then. Yeah, he was... He was crushing the drums, and his his technique was flawless. As a child, all of us were kind of like, "Okay, he let's not even worry about this kid. He's all good. Right. he's has <laughs> been fine. He's going to." But be you fine. know,
1: you know what's crazy is I remember seeing those because when back in the day when you'd get the Modern Drummer DVDs, a lot of times the DVD would start off with the winners of those contests. Yeah. they would be kind of yeah. introducing us, and then we get to see the big pros play. And I remember thinking. I for whatever reason I didn't think this about Tony when he played. He was twelve. But Tony was actually featured on the festival. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a contest yeah. winner. I remember when I saw Tony, I thought, okay, I'll know who he is for the rest of my life. He'll be playing. When I saw Eloy, I honestly thought, I wonder if he'll burn out in a few years. Like mm. I I didn't I couldn't see it in his eyes, but man, when you see him play now, I mean he's it's it's incredible. And I wonder too if Sepultura like hurts him or helps him. And I don't mean his drumming. He's perfect for that band and he loves being in that band. But I wonder if that also perception wise maybe changes things on, in the Instagram world that he honestly couldn't care less about. (laughs) But I just, I honestly, there are certain people when you see them play, you just go like, how is this not the most famous drummer on the planet? Yeah, um, and Eloy well, is one of them.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not as familiar with the the Brazilian scene, but I would assume Sepultura is probably the biggest metal band in sure. South America. So, right, it's probably about as good as it can get in that world. But I mean, I could see him, you know, someone like Steve Vai grabbing him, saying, "Let's take this dude on tour and just rip for for a year." Who yeah. knows? But I mean, I mean even that, Steve Vai is probably not playing as big as room as Sepultura is. Sure. No, I think I I think on a career
1: level, that's, you know, something we've had to talk about quite a bit on this podcast is the difference between your actual career and then your perceived Instagram career. Yeah, right. Because I'm sure whoever's out right now, well, maybe it's Tony, but whether it's Katy Perry or Taylor Swift or whoever's playing arenas and stadiums every night probably isn't that worried that like, oh, I only got 6,000 likes. You know, I, I think they're like, well, but I did play to 60,000 people, so
0: I think it's all right. You know what? I want to look at his feed. Keep talking. So maybe uh, okay. maybe Jeff's song is still playing. <laughs> Thanks for that six-minute song, Jeff. Um, okay,
1: so while, while Mike's looking up something, I want to let you guys know... About two weeks ago, I released a new course on Mike'sLessons.com, and the reason I'm bringing this up, won't cost you anything. You guys can all get it for free if you want, Um, but it's a course called From the from the page to the gig and it's a course teaching you how to learn new material and the reason why i called it from the page to the gig is because i'm finding so many of my students and my campers and people i've taught since i was 18 years old have problems learning something whether it be on a page a dvd online whatever and then actually being able to perform it when the, when the time matters, when, when the time really counts, how come you can't recall that information and those patterns that you worked on so hard. And I think it's because of how you're learning those things and how you're practicing those things. So what the page to the gig is, it's a whole course teaching you how to learn new material. So the good thing is it doesn't matter what you're working on, whatever you're working on right now, don't stop. Just go through this course and then learn the stuff that you are working on in that fashion, and I promise you'll be able to access this stuff forever. So the reason why I'm telling you about this, you can just use uh, sign up on mikeslessons.com and use the promo code PODCAST, and you'll get two free weeks. That's more than enough time to go through the course, and then you can just quit my website, and that's fine. So I'm not trying to sell you anything. If you like it and you want to stick around, that's fine, too. But I just really want all of you to go through this course because I really think it'll change. Instead of mm-hmm. learning these little tips and tricks on Instagram and YouTube for a quick second, but you never use any of it, if you start learning things on this deeper level, you'll have access to it forever, and you'll actually
0: get use out of it. So did you uh, look something up, Mike? Uh, yeah. I have a question about the website first. This is yeah. a legit question because I'm, I've, I'm in, having a bit of a problem with this site that I, I got one of these free one-day trials for a website. Okay. And there's nowhere on the website to cancel it. There's no, there's no, I've emailed the tech support and they're saying, we'll get back to you hopefully in 24 hours. But the trial expires like tomorrow. Right. So how right, does right. someone cancel <laughs> the, let me uh, go on mysustons.com
1: <laughs> and check it out. They, ours is pretty simple. Um, we literally have a button for it.
2: So okay, Lisa, we're not trying to Because
0: this website. I'm not going to even mention the site. I'm, I'm like so frustrated. Like, can I just cancel this membership?
1: Yeah, under uh, in your dashboard, we literally have a button that says Settings, and then that pulls up my profile, my account, and my billing. So we make it Beautiful. we make it uh, shockingly easy for you to take your money away. <laughs> so, I honestly, my 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 thought on this, and you already know the websites that offer the same services that I do that I don't agree with their practices and stuff. So, um, but and there's plenty that do it the right way. But my thought has always been, I'm here when you're ready for it. Mm. And I'm totally okay with you coming in and out. I I was never able to stay with one private drum instructor like for 20 years. Like It was yeah. kind of like, okay, well, I have the time to devote to practicing, so I want to take lessons. And then at some point, it was like, look, my life's too busy to even practice your material, so I'm going to take a little break. I'd take four months off, I'd come back, and we've really set our website up to be that. Just come in when you're ready to dedicate yourself. Please don't be there just to be there. Like Come in when you're ready to dedicate yourself. And then, if you need to take a break, take a break. We understand, you know. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing this this website for almost eleven years. I'm not going anywhere. Wow, it's
2: I'll be here long? when you're ready. Right. Goodness, yeah,
1: I know, right? <laughs> a little long in the tooth there, Johnston. <laughs> I just finished my ninetieth drum camp here on that last camp. Really? So that's yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy yeah. talk. You need an entire, get out. (laughs) (laughs) No way. I was thinking about that today. Like I was, I was driving into, uh, to the studio and I was listening to a sports podcast about coaches that just got new jobs. And I can't remember where Bruce Arians went in the NFL. Oh, he's at Tampa Bay now. Mm. So he was the Cardinals coach. Now he's at Tampa Bay. And I think they said he was like 64 or something. Mm. Like that guy just got a new job and he's 64. Yeah, I'm good, dude. I'm good for like decades. (laughs) He's got to
0: work for one season; he could just disappear forever. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So anyway, I wanted to drop in because we were talking about him. I want to drop in one of Eloy's clips, and he has ninety seven thousand followers. So I think he's doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm saying he should
1: have nine hundred and seven thousand followers. All right, let's let's listen to some Eloy. now. If you want to sign up for the Eloy Casagrande <laughs> fan club, I am the president and I run the website. It's called Eloy for com. Now he, he's amazing. He's a good dude. And, uh, I I think I've told the story a few times on the podcast, but it was really cool. We spent some time, I think we were together for three or four days in Mexico and, uh, I remember early on, he's, uh, I was telling him how interested I was in Brazilian music, and he was like, if you want, I can just come up to your room and show you like a bunch of artists that you'll, you can't find them on iTunes. You just wouldn't know, but this mm. is the legit stuff that if you're a drummer or a musician in Brazil, this is what you're listening to, and it was so kind of him, because how can I get that? I, I can't even research that type of information on the internet. Yeah, right. So to have that was just invaluable, and that's when I was like, okay, man, you're just a straight-up good dude. Thank you for...
0: For doing this so really cool stuff let's talk about another good dude yost nickel wrote an article in the february issue and it is called path orchestration so it's it's basically based on his most recent book what what he calls the yost nickel Phil book very creative title okay <laughs> hey, it's all about that german efficiency yost just takes a straight line so the the premise which i think is kind of brilliant if um if, you don't, if, you're, if you're like, what should I do for drum fills so I'm not playing the same thing all the time? Uh, the premise is take just a sticking pattern and then assign movements for one of the hands. So it can go from snare jump to floor tom or snare jump to floor tom to rack tom and, and stick with that uh, orchestration but then use the the sticking groupings and stuff to kind of create the the contrast. So it always sounds different. If it's a three-note cycle, it's going to sound different. If you're doing two, the right hand's going from snare to floor tom, it's a three-note cycle. There's going to be that counter rhythm kind of going on. Right. So Yost gives us the example in this uh,
1: article of right-left kick And he plays that for one-bar phrases and two-bar phrases. So if you do it for one bar, you're going to get five threes or five right-left kicks, and you'll have a remainder one, and then you get out of the measure. Or you can do it as a two-note cycle. Uh, So there's a couple things that you are going to get out of this. First of all, you can't help but learn your groupings while doing this. You're going to learn what groupings of threes feel like as they go over the bar line and how you have to round them off to get out. But I really—I don't know why— but I really geek out over the simple uh, illustrations of the orchestration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, oh, one is there, two is there, three goes to the right symbol, four is on the rack tom. And so really, really cool stuff. But I think that orchestrations, orchestration and dynamics, I mean, that's, that's what separates us. Because yeah. you and I play the same stuff. Sh- you know, shin splints. <laughs> I got shin splints from the workout I did. I was telling you about it before we started. So we play the same stuff. It's just how did you, where did you play it? And then which accent or which notes out of that did you kind of pop? And which ones
0: did you ghost? Yeah, and that's yeah. what
1: makes all this stuff original.
0: Yeah, that's kind of um, everything I've been teaching in the past year is don't ask me to show you anything new because you know enough stuff. Even if you can only play singles and doubles, you know enough stuff. You just haven't explored it. creatively you haven't you haven't challenged yourself to find a new way to do a paradiddle that doesn't sound like a paradiddle in orchestration dynamics displacing it so many ideas and i kind of naturally fall into this orchestration thing because i'm lazy and i don't want to learn new rhythms i just want to use what i know and so if i'm going to do this the three note sticking right left kick whatever for whatever reason just my instinct is okay i'm going to just play that for 10 minutes and i'm going to just keep going and moving the right hand and i and i like the idea of instead of randomly moving it saying okay it's going to go snare floor tom snare rack tom snare floor tom snare rack time right sticking to a rule so then there's no guess. you know i don't have to get confused about what i'm going to play it's already determined so then i can focus on how i'm playing it where am i putting the accents how does it feel um, I think that's also,
1: it, it, it's one of those things where when you see this stuff, it makes you want to ask Yoast, okay, cool, but what are you doing? And it's like, <laughs> no, no, this really is yeah. what I'm
0: doing. Yeah, this isn't this isn't kindergarten. This is actually what I do on gigs. Yeah, yeah. this is
1: the big kid stuff. <laughs> this is what I actually do. And th- when you start to reverse engineer Yoast's playing, which I really, along with Eli Casagrande, you know I have just a huge... Uh, admiration for Yoast, He's really up there in my favorite drummers in the world. But when you reverse engineer stuff, it's not, it doesn't have that Vinny magic where you actually don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's like, no, I know what you're doing. I just, I just would have, I just didn't dedicate enough time to it the way you did. You flushed it out so much more thoroughly than I did. And you're getting so much more practical use out of this simple idea than I am. Mm -hmm. And that's the brilliance of Yost. It's not overly complicated. It's just done really well, really clean. And the thing is, he finds, okay, what is the payoff for this thing? So let's say he went around with his orchestration, like he's showing in this article, of right-left kick. And he's going, right-left kick, right-left kick, right-left kick, right-left kick, around the kit. Mm -hmm. One thing that Yost always does is he will give you what you think is the bomb fill. He'll play it two or three times in a row. Then he'll double the subdivision on you mm, and right. you really pay it off. So, or, or maybe he just jumps this thing to 16th note triplets. You know... Yeah. And so he always has these payoffs. when, like, When you think what he's doing is the coolest thing he's got, he has one more gear that he hasn't shown you, and that's what he'll pay off the fill with right at the end. It's a really mm. cool thing. He does that a lot, and I always... Right, like if when I'm watching him play, I'm like "Yoast, I know that's not your big one. I know you I know you got something coming. I know you got something else. And then he goes, sure, and I go, Dah, dag, nab it. Uh,
0: yeah, he's such so a yeah, deliberate it's, player. It's it's very admirable. Yes. I mean, he can, that's a
1: that's a great way to put it. He's extremely deliberate, but it it's not stale. He's still incredibly yeah. artistic.
0: You know. I think this this article is a good glimpse into his creative process because He's he's explored all the the creative options, so when he's actually playing, he knows he knows exactly what he's doing, but he doesn't know exactly how he's going to do it. You know, like, I'm going right. to do this three-note thing. Maybe this time I'm going to play at 16th, so I'm going to go in the 16-note triplets. So I'm going to put some rests in there, but I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing, but I know the concept right. of it. And I think that's and we, where kind of the magic, the art kind of pops out.
1: Yeah, we went through this um, a few episodes back where I was playing the same pattern in a bunch of different ways it was right left kick, yeah, right left kick, right. right left and and you could tell right away that especially when i traded it as fills none of the fills sounded like they were the same pattern ever and it was only because of orchestration and dynamics this the subdivision never changed the phrasing never changed mm-hmm. and so but i also think that i've always called this thing for myself hidden rhythms which is okay my pattern for Yost's fill is right, left kick, 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 and then I and then he does a left to get out mm-hmm. um, on the one bar patterns. So you've got one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a, and then you're out. Yep. Well, inside of that, if you ghosted all of the hands and then just accented one or two of them, there's these hidden rhythms that show up, and those are what I'm looking for because. I think of this pattern that he's written out, right, left kick, right, left kick, blah, blah, blah. That is free information for all of us. We all have access to it. So what is the Mike Johnston version of it? It Mm -hmm. comes with an orchestration and it comes with a dynamic shift to it that gives it its own shape. And once I do that, then I can feel some personal pride going like, cool, that's my version of it. I didn't steal that from anybody. I sat down and I put in the work. All right, so let's, let's do a
0: little test. What is your first instinct for orchestrating that pattern? Because I have mine. I just thought about it, and immediately the sound popped out. Like, what um, would you do first? My first
1: orchestration would probably be. I try to avoid around the world, mm-hmm. which is a like clockwise both hands circle. Moving, yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to just because that was like the you know (laughs) so i try to avoid around the world i would probably it would start my left hand would not orchestrate at all left hand would stay on the snare and probably Uh be ghosted and then right hand would start on the hi-hat
0: and it would probably go between hat snare and floor interesting see i would do the opposite i would make the left hand on the snare a rim shot and have that be the focal point and have the right hand just kind of fill in around the toms Okay so, okay, so yeah, if you think about that shape of three, you have
1: two and three being accented because the kick's naturally going to be somewhat yeah. accented, unless we yeah. go out of our way to ghost it. So you have, uh, and then I'm going one and three, so I'm making right. more of a shuffle feel out of it. Yeah. And And then, so what I try to do is I try to not have one of those th- things go through the whole fill so I, I I generally wouldn't go mm-hmm. and so that's the exploration for me but I will say this one of my rules and this is actually in the orchestration chapter of the from the page to the gig course one of my rules for orchestration is at first i don't Move. I put my hands in a position that I'm not familiar playing this fill in. So left hand rack tom, right hand side of the floor tom. And I Mm. play the pattern. And then, and once I feel comfortable, I move it to somewhere else. So I just get my ear used to these things. Then my next step is still not moving around the drum set, it's only moving the right hand and keeping the left hand stationary. And even that, I mean, there's so much that goes on in your brain. I think we all know what it was like to play paradiddles on a pad, and then somebody had them play, had us play them between hi-hat and snare. And it, it was like, well, this like isn't a paradiddle it. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, it's still, nothing has changed. Just your ear, your brain can't handle this. Yeah. So I take that process extremely slowly. The payoff for me is, oh, my gosh, I can move this completely freely all over the kit, and I still hear... Mm. no matter where i am even and i do this constantly i don't know if you do this at all but i try to play a few notes in the air every once in a while to mimic hitting the felt of one of my cymbals (laughs) because i don't want that to throw me off (laughs) oh my god i I have to i don't want that to throw me off if i miss something i'm not the most accurate drummer
0: Uh, So it's like, even
1: if I miss something, I still heard it in my head. Uh, We're good to go. I'm not
0: surprised you would practice the mistakes. I'm not surprised.
1: (laughs) Damn right. I'm all about it. Nothing's going to catch me off guard. I practice tripping on the way out to the stage. I'm I'm all good. I practice all that stuff. So uh, this article, I think, is, like Mike said, a great insight into Yost's world. And I don't think... And we would have to interview Yost about this. But I don't think this process changes just because the pattern got more difficult. Like If you took the most complicated thing he can play, I'm pretty sure this is exactly how he would attack it.
0: Yeah, I think it just compounds. And all of a sudden you say instead of doing accents, one of them becomes a double stroke. I mean, it just starts to compound, and then you can't hear the concept as clearly. But I'm sure you could deconstruct it, and he would say, well, this time I did five-stroke rolls instead of accents. But it's still the same thing. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's a really cool thing. So check this out. This is just in the uh, rock and jazz clinic of the current issue of Modern Drummer Magazine. And it's just called Path
0: Orchestration by Yost Nickel so let's talk about the cover artist for the february issue we're hitting some pretty heavy-duty drummers this episode this is um,
1: uh well first of all we've now done th- two featured drummers on accident
0: <laughs> this was supposed to be
1: Yoast's article but we talked about his playing and now uh this is somebody that you kind of yost actually turned me on to this drummer's album that we're going to talk a lot about
0: but mm-hmm. you turned me on to the drummer himself so kareem riggins is the cover artist on the february issue and it's been a long time coming he's he's been a drummer that ever since i started here it's been like we have to do something with kareem but he's been so personally quiet with his own brand that it's hard to like what's what's the project to kind of to lock him to because he's doing hip-hop production and you hear like is he actually playing it or is it loose because that's part of his brilliance is he could recreate breakbeats so you can't even tell if he lift, lifted it off a record or not. It's like, right. is that a Bernard Purdy breakbeat or did he just play it? <laughs> like it's, He's brilliant at that, so he's got that whole world. But then he's also, I mean, I first heard of Kareem in the mid-90s when he started getting these like straight-ahead jazz gigs with Wait, Mulgrew. What? Yeah. He's mid, been around that long? Mid-90s. I think he was wow. 19 or so years old when he started playing with Mulgrew Miller's trio and... It was. I think he he and Chris Dave kind of and Eric Harlan. They kind of became the new modern okay. jazz guys at the same yeah. time. But makes sense. It was like Eric and Chris kind of got the the gigs that everyone was talking about, and Kareem was digging in a different world and, and went more into the hip hop world. So it's like these three guys. Like for me, that's the trifecta. Like Eric is the the jazz of the guy. Chris Dave right. is the kind of fusion of the guy, and Kareem is the like hardcore hip hop of the guy. But they all play amazing drums. So anyway, the latest project is August Green, which is with Common and uh, Robert Glasper. When that record came out, we're like, okay, it's time to finally get Kareem on the cover because he's the drummer in the band. He's not just producer. You know, he's not like in the background producer or songwriter. He is the drummer. Uh, Right. it's, It's an amazing record. I wanted to drop in before we talk more about him this is a live clip from they did a radio performance of the tune no apologies from the album so you're going to hear he's playing live drums over top of a dj spinning a loop on a turntable and the pattern is pretty freaking sick
1: If you want, you can keep that audio of my real reaction. I mean, it's (laughs) so That sadness in my voice of just defeat. I just let out a a whimper of, damn.
0: (laughs) Not to mention the whole band is killing. I mean, that's live bass. They're playing over top of a loop, so they have to be locked in. I mean, it's a a record spinning.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I have a comparison to make. I felt that Sting in the, in the 90s was responsible for telling us who the greatest drummers in the world were. If you played with Sting, so we had, mm-hmm. we started with Stuart, then we had Omar Hakim, mm-hmm. then Manu. Um, Manu, and then Vinny, and then it just went from there. And then there was a mix of those guys rotating through. Yeah, Josh Freeze. Now Josh Freeze, yeah. right? Um, uh, Keith Carlock. I feel like Robert Glasper is that
0: now. Yeah, he doesn't mess around with any jokers, that's for sure. <laughs> no,
1: every time. I mean, a, a lot of the whoever he plays with, then I'm alerted to that person. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this must be the person that's just doing it. He's like a talent. Guy. He's like mm-hmm. a Miles Davis of our time. Yep. He's finding the young talent, whether it be young or not so young. He's still finding the fresh talent, and it's just it's incredible. <laughs> and 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 what I love about a lot of stuff that Robert's on is especially when he's doing something like this he's not waiting for that robert glasper time to shine this is very much so so by the way what we're listening to is august green and this is a band between robert glasper common and kareem riggins and it's it's very much so a band everyone
0: has their role to play yeah it's really cool yeah and it's hard to say who's a leader because all three of them are just heavy heavyweights Mm-hmm. Which yeah, it's is a super I, group. Yeah, I don't know who's who actually wrote it. I didn't look at the liner notes to see was writing the tunes. I'm going to assume that Kareem and and Robert are probably sharing songwriting, but who knows? I mean, it's it's pretty. It's an amazing group, and I mean, their live show they bring in guest vocalists. Brandy's on one of the singles. They got a live bass player, so yeah, it's this is kind of my jam at the moment. So this tune. I couldn't figure out the rhythm, but it and and it's funny you referenced Sting because it's the same thing. Where I don't want to know what it is. Like it, I can feel it. I know where the right. one is. I don't want to transcribe it yet. I just want to soak in right. this this cycle. Like what are they doing? It's cool. I don't want to know yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree. And it it's it, it's weird when when Robert does what he does in a situation like this. It's if you just listen to him play and even Cream's groove. It's so chill, but there's pure fire underneath it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not like some 70s fusion thing that's like, we're going to tear your head off. And we're like opening up our pedal boxes and crossing wires to make the craziest effects. It's just like, this is like, oh, yeah, it's kind of mellow, but it's
0: blazing. Yeah, it just skates. I mean, the bass player is really the one like, he's just chilling. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can see in the video, he damn near fell asleep. He's like,
1: whoa. I'll just play on the one of every fourth bar, but at that, like you said, super, super locked in and their moving. I mean, common when you watch him, he's he's going in, and mm-hmm. that's got to be a cool thing for any rapper to be able to say, okay, we're going up tempo. I wanna I wanna go in. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, can we check out a little bit of the solo from the Vic Firth uh, yeah. video? Yeah, just because in. I think that hearing him play by himself also gives you a unique opportunity to hear like his texture and his timbre on the kit
0: That segues into the the second half of his his persona, which is a legit jazz drummer. Like he right. is bona fide, and even says in his story, like some people only know me as a jazz drummer, and some people only know me as a hip hop producer. Like the two worlds don't really. I think maybe even August Green might be the first time that the two worlds kind of inter- intersect. Yeah, and it's it's
1: weird too because he's he's got like power on the instrument but for some reason it feels like you could sit right next to his kit and not need earplugs yeah he's yes. got like a softness and a beauty to his playing well, i mean that's really
0: cool his background is he came up playing with the vocalist betty carter the bass player right. ray brown Walter miller i mean piano trio music he had to learn like you can play all that stuff but it's got to be whisper quiet you know you had you had to learn it or else you're off the gig dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's
1: it's incredible really cool I, I'm really happy um, to have this new person that I can dig into which I'm sure if he heard that he's like new been a little busy gigging <laughs> since I was four I, I get it <laughs> but it's still new to me and I, I'm look. I'm looking forward to going into like a deep dive on this stuff because there are people that you and I cover on here that are so busy playing there's really almost no media on them whatsoever
0: yeah too busy is playing. definitely one of them yeah
1: yeah, and so sometimes it's really hard to know who did what. And I probably have heard Kareem play on quite a few things, and I didn't believe that it was an actual drummer, so I didn't look to see who played drums on this. Because, like, well, this is clearly... That August Green record, that's a study in modern... You know, the modern style of trying to do the whole displace thing mm-hmm. and play behind the beat, play ahead of the beat. But he's doing it.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, if you look at his credits, Kanye West, Erica Badu, Mad Lib talib kwali i mean that's that's his hip-hop sides Um, in a good a good record to listen to that i that for me was confusing and amazing all at once is his solo album called alone together because it's basically like a breakbeats record so you i cannot tell if he actually recorded the drums or if he sampled the drums on the entire record it's like wow it's just a mix of him playing and 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 programming and sampling and recreating. So you listen to it and you're like, oh, cool, it's like a Dilla, like a break beats record. But sure. when you really start listening, you're like, wait a minute, I think he's playing the drums on this track. Like it's live drums. Well, and
1: what what makes it harder is you don't know which one of his creative juices were flowing at that time. Was right. he in producer mode, like I'm going to produce this beat? Or was he in drummer mode, like I'm going to go play this beat? Right,
0: yeah. And that's, that's the magic. Because both also would make the, him happy. It's the hard part to like like yeah he's he's a badass drummer, but I can't tell if that was actually played or not. <laughs> you right. know it's like yeah, how yeah. do we so that's why august green for, for us was like finally there's there's proof that the dude is playing right. all this stuff. I gotta say too, I really like
1: on the August green record his cho- his choice of tones that he went for because it's almost so actually organic that it sounds like somebody tried to f- sample an organic kit right to be like, no, this is a real drum set, and it's like. <laughs> No, I think it actually is a real drum set. That's like so, uh, it's so organic. Um, yeah. And it's not overproduced at all, but man, it just, it fits perfect. So yeah. And the other cool thing is if you're a Common fan, you get a new Common album mm-hmm. just with the greatest musicians on the planet playing behind him.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I would suggest everyone, if you're f- obviously, if we're... If you're like finally you guys know who Kareem Riggins is. But if you're new to his world, check out some of the stuff he did with the Mulgar Miller trio. There's two live records that are out. Pretty sure they're on iTunes. That's him as maybe nineteen years old, sounding like like Roy Haynes. Super hip. And then check out the August Green record and then dig into this what I say it was called, Alone Together. That's a beat study. Like, if if you want to hear what modern drumming, in my opinion, is all about, it's that making the drums sound real and programmed all at the same time. Like, you can't tell what's what. Um, so yeah, he's he's a genius, and I'm glad we finally got to him. Awesome. It's time for uh, our word from Dream Symbols here. Uh, so, oh yeah, I have to remind you that they are doing their hang at Fame Studios which is going to be february 9th so if you're in muscle shoals or anywhere near muscle shoals which would include uh obviously nashville uh, atlanta that that vicinity you might want to try to make a trip down to fame studios they're going to have 50 different symbols there that can be they're going to be demoing everything they're also going to make everything available for purchase they're going to be recording uh scott is going to be there to demo and record they're going to have a bunch of telefunken microphones there to demo as well it should be a good event um, so February 9th go to dreamsymbols.com or follow them on Facebook there should be an event created for that soon uh, that's February 9th Fame Studio Muscle Shoals Alabama that is the Dream Hang nice alright well now it's time to talk
1: some gear we're going to be talking about the Doc Sweeney RX series drum set Whew rx you know what that means prescribed <laughs> this drum set is prescribed to you guys uh, this thing is this is custom drum building just taken as far as it's going to go yeah. um or not as it's going to go but this is done as
0: well as it can be done really incredible drum set yeah so this kit doc sweeney uh, their whole thing is they make they're one of only a few companies that can make full kits out of steam bent um, shells so they that's kind of their specialty is real high-end solid shell drums the rx series they've just upped the ante further they're doing hybrid shells with a center portion of metal and then outer portion of wood the kit that i reviewed has aluminum in the middle solid solid aluminum not not a rolled piece but a solid aluminum and then uh, i believe they were steam bent babinga for the solid portions pretty insane pretty insane they're gorgeous um they are super heavy oh really solid aluminum is not light
1: (laughs) yeah it's not it's not like rolled aluminum i mean this is cnc you know milled aluminum yeah uh yeah i mean the drum set just for those of you that haven't seen it it's kind of hard to explain it almost looks like a late 2000s kit because it looks like it's just painted with this big stripe through the middle of it. But that stripe, and it's a thick stripe,
0: is CNC'd aluminum. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's a thick shell because it's a solid, the wood is solid as well. So it, these are powerful drum, powerful sounding drums. It's a small kit, though. It's 8x12 and 14x14 14 14 toms, 14x20 14 bass drum. The snare was a big boy, 7x14. Uh, but they are powerhouse drums. This is one of those kits that in my modest little home studio, they literally produced too much sound like the room was really. like we give up the paint's gonna start falling off here <laughs> they were just so <laughs> powerful not loud go, just powerful right.
1: wow yeah it's funny uh this is one of the kits that as soon as i listened to the demo of it it you know eventually in what you and i do it, it they all kind of sound like drums at some point yeah now we are putting in in-ear monitors and listening for the hyper differences but it sounds like a drum set with this one i was like oh my god yeah yeah no it's dawson's just, kinda... just hanging on for <laughs> dear life with this with this it, animal it is
0: a sports car for sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is such a good way to put it I, I just see you on the Autobahn for your first time just hanging on well let's give it a listen
0: So uh, I guess I should explain the tuning of these drums, so every kit that comes in i I, I match the top and bottom heads the same pitch I, I, very meticulous, so some kits it takes an hour to tune this kit it took no more than ten minutes to get the whole kit just dialed in. It, it was just wow, it just sounded like what you're hearing took no effort whatsoever there's no muffling on any of the drums whatsoever. Um, so that's a, that is a that is a signpost for me for, okay, this is a really high-quality drum where I could just finger-tighten the heads and not even worry about it, and it still sounds good. Um, so, yeah, that's hard to believe that that's a small kit like that. I mean— That, they, to me, is
1: what I immediately stood out to me is, okay, if you're somebody like me that really likes 12, 14, 20 setups, but maybe you're in a rock band and you need a powerful kit— Mm-hmm like honestly after playing the kit i've played for so long no matter what band or situation i got in i I really just don't want to play 22 13 16 again like Mm. it it just doesn't feel as comfortable to me as what i'm playing but at the same time how am i going to get that sound of 22 13 16 without having it uh these sound massive
0: they are i mean and they they what the problem i have because i love three-ply vintage style drums is they have a ceiling like Eventually yes. you get to a point where they just crap out and, and in the studio that's perfect because they're controlled and they don't make the microphones go crazy. But go to our gig and sometimes you're like, dang, this this tom really doesn't produce enough sound. Right. What I've found with Doc Sweeney's stuff, this kit and other kits is there's like I have not found the ceiling. Like I think I would <laughs> break the drum heads before they were like, ah, we're choked out, stop hitting so yeah. hard. Which is Well and sp- it's speaking inspiring. Of
1: that- yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, these came shipped with Aquarian Response 2s. That's an Emperor. So you've got mm-hmm. two-ply coated heads on this. So this even has more range if you swapped out to single-ply coated heads and went for a higher tuning. You yeah. could get
0: Take your even head off. more out of this kit. <laughs> Take yeah, me- tear your head off. Now, what, there was a phenomenon. I don't know that it necessarily translates to the demo because I kind of played everything at, at medium dynamic. but there was something that happened when i played these drums lightly versus when i hit them harder that i have not experienced with any other drums like lightly they sounded warm and big and fat the harder i hit them the more the aluminum kind of puffiness oh. kind of came into play where i started wow. to hear like an explosiveness that you wouldn't necessarily get from an alba Binga shell. um and i don't think it's it's the uh, placebo effect i'm like i could really hear it um so that's something I think live would translate really well. Like if you really smack these toms, they're not going to choke out. They're actually going to be more explosive. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. Well,
1: um, I mean, we, we only really talked about the shells, but they go in on everything from the hardware. You know, the, the lugs are just absolutely gorgeous. I have two of his snares here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the, that, I don't even know what you call it, where the hoops kind of bend inwards. Oh, to like saver yeah, Save yeah. your sticks. Like yep. The six day stick saver vibe. Yeah. Um, and then you said that, or you didn't say, but I think the article mentions
0: that there's a trick throw off on the snare, right? Actually, no, they created their own, there might be on this one. I don't remember, but they created their own throw off that that's their okay. own machine throw off. It works great. Um, it's a, like it had I said, they got their own throw off. <laughs> the one thing with this particular series, because you can't, you can't bolt any hardware to that center portion. Um, the the bass drum spurs had to be clip on spurs. If I had one criticism, that would have been it just because there's two there's two um, claws in the same spot. So at one point I was trying to tune the drum and I was actually adjusting the spur thumb screw <laughs> instead of oh, the actually. Wait, tuned. you mean they're clipped onto the bass drum hoop? Yeah, they're they're clip oh, on wow. they're D W okay. clip on spurs because you can't put the spurs in a normal sure. spot, it'd be in that floating right. aluminum portion. Is one of your employees dying? <laughs> You know, every week we record, I hear a, a small airplane go overhead yes. and then yes. a dog barking and then someone starts choking.
1: <laughs> uh, modern drummer. All right. Well, um, we don't have a price listed here. I'm assuming
0: these are, I mean, this is as high end as it's going to get. So, Yeah, this would um, be, uh, you know, a dream kit uh, or the last kit you'll ever want kind of a purchase. Yeah, I'm going to
1: take a... Uh, a term from the watch world this would be a grail kit this is the holy grail oh yeah um yeah that like everyone has their grail watch where it's like i'll never be able to afford it but if if price was no object that's the grail watch so okay Um, so this is a grail kit for sure this is something you can dream about and dream about and dream about but i mean it's not pretty just to be pretty like mike just said and we just proved in the audio it's 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 got quite a an amazing practical application. And that's one thing that's awesome about the current custom drum builders right now that we have. Whether it be Doc Sweeney, Sugar, A and F, they're making gorgeous drums, but all of
0: them sound fantastic. No, they're not yeah. making them just to be pretty anymore, and, which is great. And different. I mean, that's that's what I like about it. It's in the past that used to I used to not be able to tell a difference between the high end this brand versus the high end that brand. It's like eh, they yeah. just sound like drums, but. Nothing sounds like this kit. Yes, they sound like drums, but there's certain elements of this kit that nothing I've ever experienced sound like. And I'd say it's the right. same thing with Sugar and some of the other companies. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. All righty. Ready to get into some listener questions? Okay, so we have two audio questions, but we're going to do a uh, a written one first. So where the heck is it? The first one is... Oh, this will be relatively short. This is from Andreas... Um, he is going through your beginner hand speed course on your website. Okay. Um, and now, but the question is, at what percent and at what difficult level difficulty level on the beatnik pad should I achieve before I go on from each lesson? So Man, qu- that's it's a broader a question. question of how do you evaluate yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think about where you are as a beginner – if you're working on the beginner hand speed course, then I'm going to assume you're probably somewhere between one to f- four or five years of playing, which I know for any of you that are new, you're like, wait, that's still a beginner? Yeah, the first decade oh, yeah. is uh, <laughs> a beginner. Um, so I, wouldn't, I would probably put the beatnik on medium and try to achieve about 80%. I don't think that that means, oh, you don't have to worry about accuracy anymore. What I, what I would do is then come back maybe six months from now, do that course again, put the beatnik on hard, and then try to get to sixty percent. Like as you get better, you're going to get more and more efficient, and you'll be more accurate with your playing. But you can only expect so much out of yourself without. Because I, what I would hate for you to do is paralyze yourself from moving on, just because you're like, I'm not going to move on until I'm at a hundred percent on hard. It's yeah, like, okay, well, yeah. you could have been learning a new tune. You could have been jamming yeah, yeah. with
0: friends. You could have been living the drum life, you know? It's Yeah, it's not a linear process. I think that's the hardest part to, to kind of reinforce. Is it's not like you 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 master this and then you just move on to the next thing. It it all feeds into itself. So f- what I'd use the Beatnik for is I found out where I kind of plateau with a given sticking or something, and that becomes my benchmark for the next day. But... Right. I would, never, I would never just play double-stroke rolls until I get 100% on the beatnik at hard because I know that it's it's almost an impossibility, which for a beginner that might be if you're on the easy setting to get 100%. That might be an impossibility. So totally, you have to kind of say, okay, that's, that's where I'm at now. Let me move on, and then I'll come back and test myself again. And you should see improvement each time, but you're going to plateau. Yeah. You're definitely going to plateau. And there's so many things that when you're practicing them, you and I s- – I still remember
1: talking about this on maybe our first or second episode, but it was like our advice to our listeners was just practice. It yeah. doesn't matter what it is yeah, it because matter. even if you're working on your independence somehow, like if I, I remember how much foot speed I got out of six months of Samba independence practice when I was in my teens, just because my bass room was going doom, do to do to for hours yeah. every single day. And then when I tried to, go back and play some fast bass drum stuff i was like oh my gosh i've been training the hell out of my foot but never even considered my foot a part of the process other than independence yeah but it's been functioning the whole time so you everything you learn will affect four or five other aspects of your drumming i promise i think the key word is practice not play not jam you have to right have a delivery divide the two up practice Absolutely. I need to jam and play so that I don't hate my life. But I need to practice so that I feel forward momentum. If I don't feel forward momentum, I will hate my life. I do not want to be the drummer tomorrow that I am today. So I need the forward momentum. But then every once in a while, I also need to just put on, you know, Epic by Faith No More and
0: just see, like, I wonder if I can flip these hi-hats inside out. I bet I could. (laughs) Well, you know, maybe, maybe you agree. But for me, even when I do that, I'm still there's still something I'm trying to accomplish where oh, it's absolutely to bury you know to play with the track perfectly in time or to nail the fills 100% so even when I'm just jamming or if I'm just freeform playing I still like okay well I have to play to a click or I have to play in four bar phrases like I don't I can't separate I can't just like not care about how i sound like i just i can't right? do that anymore yeah
1: yeah no i i don't think that yeah i wouldn't be okay <laughs> flamming with the track the whole time be Like, but i'm having a blast <laughs> like i couldn't do that <laughs> do i, mean, I, I th- think that i could have fun doing that of course i do mike
0: <laughs> that wouldn't be fun at all i would hate myself no. more at the end of it but i mean i yeah, it's it's hard for me to to define what is what is just jamming and playing anymore because it's all kind of again it feeds the same circle yeah you you have to be able to just be free but hopefully the tools that you've been practicing are keeping your free form playing to not just sound like junk right i think the only time i'm actually
1: fully free is when i make a conscious decision to say okay i'm gonna improvise now and I'm literally just improvising. Maybe the only thing holding me together is a pulse. And I'm I'm actually wondering if I wasn't thinking, are there any natural tendencies that have been built up since the last time I did this? One thing I'm noticing now is I am so into these four-bar anchor motifs where it's a little bit of a motif or a little bit of an anchor thing. And then I improvise, so it's mm. instead of trying to throw down for forty five seconds without anything starting over i'm I, all I have to do is keep track of four bars yeah i, right. I can do that you know and, <laughs> and 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 that for me is actually becoming a lot of fun, and it's almost like a safety net that I'm okay with, like because I know that that safety net is what's giving the audience a
0: chance to be on the journey with me as well yeah i mean it's it's also like I would just listen to a Dave Weckel solo. I can't remember what it was. It was semi-recently. And he's doing the same thing. The guy's always playing in four-bar phrases. It's just he's kind of obscuring the ones at times, but he's always like ebb and flow in four-bar phrases. It's We're all, yeah. we all, like, even for me, even the most out-there drum soloists, they're still kind of tied into some kind of phrase. You just have to figure it out where they're anchoring themselves. Yeah, I, I find it, uh, It I try hard to not be drummer
1: guy when i'm listening to drums a lot of time because sometimes i just want to be a human and i don't want to be annoyed while you're playing that's not me going like (laughs) you're so good i really (laughs) really don't like this that's how good you are like that's not fun i want you to be on the. if i'm playing drums i want you to be on the journey with me i'm not trying to you know key on your head and dominate you and be like this is my territory like i'm (laughs) you can cut that out if you need to but anyways i'm trying to like we're on this journey together so Uh, a little anchor every
0: once in a while so anyways yeah (laughs) yeah, (laughs) pissing in your pocket let's go to our first audio question by andrew rooney
2: (laughs) mike and mike how are you guys doing andrew rooney here from auckland new zealand First of all, can I just add some more gas to the 2019 phrase bonfire that you guys started last week with your influencing and creamy content? My addition to the list is taking photo. This hurts to even talk about it. Taking photos of your kit set up at a very nice location and adding my office for the day. I get it. You've got a gig. You're in a great spot. I really am happy for you. Photo's fine. I don't need the office for the day, but uh, just had to get that off my chest. Anyways, my question and Mike Johnson, do I have a plan for this myself? Yes, I do have a plan for this myself, but I wanted to get your feedback because without pissing in both your pockets, I respect your opinions. Now, in all seriousness, I've had tennis elbow on my right arm since around 2015 All the advice I've had is that you just have to stop the activity that's causing the issue. In other words, there's no magic remedy. I found the causes are pretty specific for me, Uh, one of them being pad work and the other one um, overusing the mouse on my computer, which can really set it off. I teach in gig full time and there's no real issues there. It's not a problem in my day-to-day life, but when I settle down to do some pad work Or some speed work, specifically on my right hand stuff. Yep, it kicks off. Looking at the bright side, it's a great excuse to focus more on my weak side, my left hand, and do some other things that don't challenge my right arm too much. So if you guys have got any tips, I would love to hear it and talk soon. Hashtag crushing it in 2019 with loads of creamy content. Hashtag influencer. Hashtag answer your own questions hashtag just get a damn gig
0: (laughs) (laughs) what have we started Uh, what was the question good grief (laughs)
1: I I think he's got some pain I I say all pain questions from now on should get uh, routed to our our guy yeah which guy? What's his name? <laughs> the, our guy that does all the articles about... Oh, Brandon. About body. Brandon Green. Yes, Brandon Green. Yes. <laughs> God dang it. Now he's going to be like, dude, I thought we were friends. No, we are. I just... It's my fault. I'm just not the most intelligent human being in the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, I this has been something since the beginning of Mike'sLessons.com. When, when I would get f- c- uh, questions about people's physical ailments or about sh- uh, pain they're having, I, it was always like I... I haven't experienced, unless I've experienced that
0: exact pain, I really have no advice for you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think we would be um, misguided to try to, to diagnose a physical ailment. Cause who knows? I know for me <laughs> now, personally, Brandon. I've found that if I, if I'm not hydrated, my joints start to ache more. So maybe mm. drink more water, less, less whatever else you're drinking, but I don't know. Beyond that, I can't touch it. (laughs) Mike Dawson's (laughs) official advice is drink more water. It
1: it solves so many problems, though. Literally. Uh, I'm I'm with you, man. I I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Oh, by the way, I do have one to add to the list. Uh, This is uh, starting your post with when you're, and then it's like, when you're at the gig and then your snare drum just decides to take a crap on you. take like, well, I, I don't care. Like, I, I got it. Or it's always this when you're, when this, when. We know. We've
0: all had those moments. We got to move on. All right. So, Andrew Rooney, I think, thank you. I think what we both heard a consensus is if we can tell that you've taken an online course on digital marketing, don't yes. do it. Yes. Just don't do it. <laughs> if you clicked,
1: if you clicked on the clickbait that said how to crush it in 2019, it's already over for you. You know what you can do is right next to that video on your YouTube page, there's these three little dots. Click on that and say not interested. They'll stop showing you that stuff. God. You know how many times, because of the things that I've taught in it as a joke in a clinic, the first YouTube video that shows up is how to play one by Metallica. Not interested. It was a joke. Yes, I play it with one foot, but I, I don't I don't care. Sorry. Oh, Lawrence. I do have one other thing,
0: and this might be kind of controversial uh, to, for Andrew's question. I started taking CBD oil recently. And Ah. it has really helped me with just minor aches and pains, little back pain, shoulder pain. It's really helped. And just general uh, mental calmness. It certainly helped. Okay. We, uh, we
1: give that to Jack every morning. He was having uh, hip dysplasia problems and some serious joint problems. And our, our vet recommended same thing, not cheap, but, uh, but yeah, we, we give that to Jack. And I mean, the amount
0: of, of retired football players that just swear by that stuff. Yeah, and UFC um, fighters. I mean, it's it's everywhere yep. at this point. Speaking of yep. Jack, is he endorsed by CBD Oil Company? What's going on? Oh, he <laughs> Jack does not have a hemp endorsement.
1: Um, but Jack and Juno were both offered their first legitimate endorsement. I was quite surprised. Um So there is a company called StuntPuppy.com that makes, I'm not going to turn this into a commercial for them, but they make incredible dog gear, like collars and leashes, like really high-end stuff. They even have life jackets, which my wife and I live right by the Folsom Lake, and we take Jack and Juno swimming all the time. Well, Jack's... Almost eleven years old now. At some point, he's mm. still going to want to swim, but I don't want him Floating out there. there at, yeah, <laughs> yeah. At Fourteen years old or just sinking. So to have a life jacket on him is going to be awesome. So yeah, they. Uh, so Ken Goldman from StuntPuppy dot com reached out and said. I see that you always feature your dogs. You have gorgeous dogs. And I'm a drummer as well. And I love what you do. And I spoke to some of the guys at Tackle and A&F. And they recommended you. And I I wanted to reach out and see if you'd be interested in having Jack having a deal. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, okay. And. So, yeah, so we have to throw away all the other collars. We have to show physical <laughs> proof that we threw away his leashes. And then uh, then Jack's all hooked up on stuff. And, and Juno. I, I told Ken, I said, look, I don't know if maybe you thought both of those were the same dogs, but I have two of those twins. Uh, I will happily pay for Juno, but I think Juno's getting a deal as well. So, uh, yeah. So if, if you're in the uh, market, the other cool thing that they do that I haven't seen is they will actually put your dog's name into the design of the collar so not just attach it to the collar but the mm. actual collar the design of it is your dog's name it's really super customized stuff so uh, yeah stuntpuppy.com
0: all, all right, right. So let's get you've... into <laughs> so it feel bad about yourself mike's dogs have endorsements now <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs>
1: Uh, for the for the one guy that just got his rejection letter from Symbol Company A or B, sorry. Jack's rolling in it. Jack is crushing it. In 2019. All right. All right. Let's get to another question from Mr. Nick Murray. Hey, Mike and Mike. This is Nick from Poughkeepsie. Um, just had sort of a strange question for you guys and more um, curious about your thoughts on the movie Whiplash. And I know that's kind of like a joke among drummers sometimes, but I really wonder if um, there are any opinions you guys have on it that are you know sort of addressing the culture of jazz and you know conservative music schools and stuff like that that um, you wanted to discuss um, and if not, that's totally cool. Thanks. I think that's a great question actually. A lot of people, especially non drummers, their only insight into our
0: world is drumline and whiplash. Yeah, that's strange so so we're neither of which i think has anything to do with the actual drumming whatsoever right
1: absolutely um i think if you want to know what it's like to be a drummer i think the closest thing you can uh check out on a hollywood level would probably be that thing you do because that's the average band drummer who's like wait i'm just playing beats man why am i getting dragged into all this like (laughs) i gotta sit through rehearsals i'm you know i'm trying to figure out everyone's love life for them so uh but yeah with whiplash I thought this about it. One, I did deal with one insane college band director. I remember I was in high school. I was in the jazz band. I was the first chair drummer. I was a senior. And they needed a fill-in for the day in their Latin jazz ensemble at Sac State. Not the current uh, director at Sac State now. But I remember even my director in high school said, Hey, just, just try to keep your head down, man. Like this mm. guy is notorious for screaming and screaming and just lighting people up for every missed note. And I went into it and it was actually quite intense. And I was, I was like, okay, I, I do not want that to be my musical future. So I actually knew on that day, I'm not going to go to Sacramento state university because I can't deal with that. That guy's not there anymore. But, It was nothing like throwing chairs or anything like that. Mm. So the one thing I've always thought about whiplash is I've always thought when I saw I've only seen it I think maybe once in a little bit uh, on TV again. But what that kid is going through is exactly what it feels like is happening. That's what I was going to say. It's a psychological experiment. You you think that's adolescent? Yeah, I swear to God. I've had that question. Are you rushing or dragging? I'm like, I literally don't know. I just know you're upset. I clearly, I feel like I'm right. Cause if I thought I was dragging, I would I push. If I thought I was it. rushing, yeah. I would drag. Like I'm doing the best I can. And you just, and then the, the worst part is I feel like somehow like brass, it's like, all right, brass, we got to do this. All right, tenors, we got to do this drummer one person moron and you're like ah there's you know and you're looking at like second chair guy and he's just over there making (laughs) notes in the corner and you're like come on man help me out here so i when i saw whiplash i was like yeah that's exactly what it felt like none of that happened
0: yeah that was that's exactly my reaction to the movie it was it was inside the mind of an 18 19 year old kid totally having to you know Deal with high-pressure situations for the first time, having adults evaluate him on a high level for the first time, yeah. all the insecurities. It could have been anything. It could have been a med school student. It could have been any Tennis. situation. Yes, yeah. any sport. I mean, it, you, it, it, the whole the whole movie for me was the exaggeration of an insecure young adult, rather than this jerk. Uh, director who's abusing children. I saw it as the opposite. Like the the guy probably was looking out for his best interests in the real world, and he just he's just no BS, and that is the real world. Like no right. BS, dude. Like play the part. You didn't play it right. Play the part. And that's what I remember when
1: I went to this one. And the funny thing was, I was just filling in for the rehearsal. I wasn't going to be <laughs> in the band, and but just what you said actually really clicked like the guy's just trying to avoid embarrassment at when we show up at Golden Empire music festival Mm -hmm. and and this and he's trying to elevate the program and he's I mean there's no real difference between a college band director and a college football coach they're trying to recruit people so when you have these festivals if your band is killing it then there's a bunch of high school juniors and seniors in attendance because they're playing those same festivals yep. and or those jazz competitions. And then they go, oh, maybe I'll consider that school. I didn't know their band was so good. Yeah. And then if that if the band gets better there's more funding and it, it's such a huge thing for that director so yeah. I, I, I do get it but yeah you. Know, I think you and I are on the same page when I saw it I was like yep that's exactly what it felt like when I was getting berated and yeah. it probably wasn't as bad as I thought but it sure felt like there were chairs flying around the room <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right it's time for pick of the week actually we could use some more audio questions so if anyone has any questions they want to send via audio it can be a voice memo whatever just send it to mdinfo at modern the more voices we can get into the show i think the better for everyone listening and i Agreed. don't have to trip over that many words per episode um, pick of the week time shall we we shall um do you want to go first Sure. So this is going to be. This is going to seem like I'm kidding at first, but um, bear with me. I've been listening like obsessively nonstop the Michael McDonald record "Wide Open," which came out in 2017. Um, If you're not familiar with Michael McDonald, he was a singer in the Doobie Brothers and then went on to have a lot of success as a solo artist, kind of more of a pop. um, I don't know what you call it. It's a pop, pop world. He was on Steely Dan's Asia. So he's yeah. as a background singer. Anyway, amazing. I think he's kind of become a cartoon of himself just by the the culture of his voice. But the guy's right. a freak of nature. His his voice is amazing. But more importantly for this particular record, co-produced, mixed, engineered uh, by Shannon Forrest. And he also played drums on the whole thing. So if you're curious about checking out Shannon Forrest and hearing what I think is the premier studio drummer in the world right now this record is all him you're hearing it everything about it what's the album called one more time it's called wide open, it wide open. Okay. 2017 i'm getting it right now there's so many details the way he he constructs his parts it's just masterful with the way he interjects just tasteful little variations his choice of instruments there's one track where the tambourine which may be live or it's a loop the t- the the color of the tambourine and the ride cymbal are just perfectly matched together like you can tell he he thought about every possible detail and he's just an amazing drummer so this is one i'm like as i'm listening to through it i'm thinking okay how how would have i played this and where would i put the open hi-hat notes and he's putting them in different spots and listen to the how the fill is actually paralleling the vocal line and is it a twenty-four inch bass drum? Is it a twenty-two inch bass drum? Is it a black beauty? I'm like, I'm freaking out on it. Uh, so, so it's check- a full
1: study album for you. I
0: think it is. I think it. I think it's for for folks who's, who think Asia is like one of the greatest recorded records of all time. I would put that right up there with it. Like I think you. could I wonder.
1: Study it. I wonder how much. You know, Shannon went into that mindset of okay, this guy's been part of some of the greatest albums of all time sound-wise, I'm going to elevate my game to
0: make sure that 20 years from now people can study this album. I think he thinks that way about everything. Does he? Um, okay. And and I remember when I interviewed him for the cover story he was working on this record and he told me that as he was working on this record was when David Page from Toto came in to do some overdubs and then, he, and then that's what got ultimately got shannon into toto was working on this record wow because page was like wow you are brilliant and you you can play like jeff like on that level you got to come play with the band and that's that turned into his current career so this record i think is really important it's like i think it's the peak of shannon Forrest, the session drummer
2: awesome
1: well it has been downloaded he also mixed the record too
0: which is so i mean it sounds. You know, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this has been just like a depressing episode. I was Screw feeling Screw you! Good I'm myself. going home. <laughs> I'm out. All right, so Mike Johnston's camera production company starts tomorrow. If you guys need to rent any gear, uh, okay. So my pick of the week is an Instagrammer, an Instagram drummer. Her name is Madden Class or Class. Uh, M a d d e n. K L A S S, and that is her Instagram handle as well. So it's just at M A D D E N K L A S S. What are you going to go with, class or closs? Closs <sighs> is what I would say. Okay, so let's call it Madden Closs. Madden is probably right now. I'd say in my top five Instagram drummers of people that I keep on my feed. Cause I've muted a lot of my favorite drummers cause it's depressing. She's an, in, and I'm, I've actually been speaking quite a lot about that, about making sure that your Instagram feed isn't just this constant scroll of depression. Yeah, so I've yeah. muted a lot of people that just defeat me. Madden. <laughs> she's in, she, she's not been muted. Uh, she's probably uh, in the top five of inspirational drummers for me right now. Her pocket playing is just out of control and i think that she is a great example just like this entire podcast has been of a modern drummer her pocket is unreal she has chops if she needs them but that is not her fault but she doesn't just freak out and then go to her chops she'll play an instagram video of nothing but groove and it grooves so hard so i want to just take a quick listen to her real quick
0: playing along with a B3 doesn't hurt. Yeah. But yet you, you kind of have to see her play to get the full effect. She's really enjoying herself too. I mean, she's that I want some of that. Like you can tell she's just having the time of her life playing the drums. And man, and it's it's weird like she has this
1: powerful powerful thumb and second finger kind of grip technique where it's just fat fat backbeats mm. but then every once in a while when she needs to just throw in a little something she gets this looseness to her playing and then when the groove comes in she's back to just being like i mean if if i was any musician in the world not a drummer that's who i want on the drums for me mm-hmm. just holding it down but if i needed her to go in i know she has it in her reserves so uh please follow madden Class. In the future, Mike and I will be doing an episode where we'll be featuring some of our favorite Instagram drummers because that gives us a chance to alert you of some of the people that will be kind of the kings and queens of this industry maybe five or ten years from now. Dig it. So that's it.
0: We went in this this week. So our closing beat is uh, Marcus Kink over in, I think he's in, what's a .de email? Is that German? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Munich. He's playing a uh, Thomas R. Classic Birch Babinga Performer Series with a 22-inch bass drum, 12- and 14-inch toms, the 18-inch floor tom, and a big old 8 by 14 steel SLP snare. Stud. All right, buddy. Well, That's I it. will see you next week, and
1: Indeed. then I, I get to see you at NAMM.
0: I'm going. That's right. We need to figure gonna go out for if we're actually day. going to try to do something official and get whoever's there to come hang out or what Yeah, we won't. We won't. Okay, We're too late.
1: We yeah, I'll be there th- all day Thursday, and then a little bit Friday morning. And uh, yeah, we should talk about doing something, or even just having a meet and greet at the booth or something, and yeah. have people come by because I don't think anyone's ever seen us in the same room together. Are so secluded. I know. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I've met Mike twice. Um, so, all right, buddy. We'll have a great week, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast, and we will see you next week.